Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help visionary business leaders to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner and soon-to-be road biker again with the warm weather, Al McDonald. Al, what do you say? Well, exactly. Yes. Looking forward to it. I'm doing great and uh, looking forward to the weekend and getting on my bike and also looking forward to uh, today's guest. Some of the best episodes that we've done are people that we've just taken quite a while to book. And, you know, listen, people are busy. And one of the good things is we don't give up on people. And we finally, finally have a really special guest today. So without further ado, joining us today is Marie Chevrier. She is the founder and CEO of Sampler, the leading platform helping brands like L'Oreal and Nestle deliver samples online and gather the insight they need to build one-to-one relationships with their customers. Sampler has reached over 50 million consumers globally in 24 different countries. That's incredible. And its most notable clients include CPG industry giants, Unilever, Pepsi, L'Oreal, and Henkel. Marie is also a dedicated advisor to technology and to CPG startups, including Scout Canning, member of Retail Tomorrow Advisory Board, and co-founder of Retail TO, a community dedicated to growing and strengthening Toronto's retail ecosystem. Welcome to the show, Marie. Thank you. So excited to be here. So awesome to connect with you because you showed up on my radar as a potential guest on the show about two years ago. I've been following you quite some time on LinkedIn because you're very active on LinkedIn. And... Not only are you active, but I find your post to be really genuine. And I think that's why, you know, when you're posting things, it really resonates because I see it with so many people. And I think people can really feel they're dealing with a really authentic person. At least that's my take. So it is a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. That means so much. That's definitely what I tried to be. I think there's enough rainbows and unicorns <laughs> out there. We need to talk about the real stuff. <laughs> the real stuff. And you know what? I think when we hear feedback about every episode and, and we started this series and our very first episode, one of our first guests talked about, hey, there's some good stuff about the entrepreneurial journey, but there were some tough times in the beginning. And, and when people started sharing those things, that's what really resonated. And the amount of feedback we got was just incredible. Like, hey, I want to hear more of these stories. So with that, we're here to chat about your story. So let's get into it. So why don't we start with the obvious? What inspired you to create Sampler? And, and maybe as a, as a follow-up to that, what were you hoping to accomplish through it? So I came up with the concept of Sampler for the first time while I was in university. It would have been some 15 years ago where basically I was one of those brand ambassadors handing out free samples on a street corner and also in store. And even then, you know, I was studying digital marketing and I just kept thinking to myself, wow, like I'm taking this $3 product and I'm just handing it out to whoever walks by without any idea of who exactly this person is 
and how that sample is going to convert to purchase. That really upset me. Like I got to a point where I, I was finding myself trying to bring qualitative and quantitative feedback back to the agency I was working for and being like, did you hear what they said? And, and being very passionate about this. So I kind of pinned that idea, continued on with university, went on to an agency where I learned a lot about CPG. I worked for J. Walter Thompson. And I kind of say this story because every single job I took after that was kind of additive to building the skills that I would need to build Sampler. So after that, I remember the day I, I Googled the word entrepreneurship. I just felt like I wanted to start something. I didn't even know what it meant to start something, but I Googled it. And I found a guy who basically was the, the head of the Entrepreneurship Society of Montreal, where I'm originally from. And I just messaged one guy on LinkedIn and I said, would you meet me for a coffee? Met the guy. He loved me after like 15 minutes, I guess, and offered me a job on the spot to go work for Ronet, uh, which is this massive VC that ultimately um, incubates companies internally. So they'll give a business model to young entrepreneurs and the young entrepreneurs will build it and ultimately scale it very quickly with unlimited funds, which is like the best way to learn about how to build a business. So I got a job in Toronto to start one startup as a CMO at the time, which was crazy going from account manager to CMO. And I took it and 48 hours in, the company decided that they were actually thinking of transferring me to New York City to do the same startup but they were going to like accumulate the offices. Anyways, crazy thing. Another 48 hours later, I was in New York and I just went along. I just went along and I was like, I feel like the world is telling me something and I just need to just kind of follow this journey. Well, I got my 101 on entrepreneurship. I worked on HelloFresh, which, um, you know, we're all, we're all familiar with. I worked on a company called Glossy Box, which was a subscription box for cosmetics. So very similar to Birchbox. And I ended up founding a company called Drop Gifts in the gift card space. I fell in love with this concept of the data you could collect from a transaction where someone is receiving a gift. And then came the aha moment of, okay, like, let's take all of this together and let's really think about how we can change the product sampling space. And so in 2013, I went back to Toronto, stayed on my friend's couch for some time and, and decided to start Sampler. <laughs> you know, what's so cool. And I love your story, right? And, and the entrepreneur journey and where you just went with it, right? You didn't know even where it was going to go and you just went with it. But the part that stuck with me, and it's how I connected with you and how you know we've begun to build a relationship, you reached out to someone and asked for help. And I've posted mm -hmm. about this before on LinkedIn because there are things, you know, starting this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. And I reached out to people. And you know, I'm experiencing that as we grow our practice, I'm getting into situations where I've never been into before. And I'm just reaching out. And, and LinkedIn, I found is a community that, especially if you build that network properly and surround yourself with other positive people, other entrepreneurs, people that, that want to build something that want to help people that want to build community. I think I was amazed myself about 
how willing people are out there and willing to put in the time to help you if you've built that community properly. So I love hearing the story that you reached out for help with one person and then look what's happened when you took that first step. So I always encourage people, you know, there is a chance people are going to say no, people are going to turn you down, but don't be afraid to ask. And if you do get turned down, ask someone else because there are really good people in the community and in the business community, especially on LinkedIn that will put in the time and will take time out of their day to help you. So I love hearing that. And people like to help. Like it feels good to help. It also feels really good to be asked for help, like to feel like you have something to offer. So don't hesitate. Great. Can you talk a little bit about how quickly Sampler's grown? Uh, you've, you've grown into a leading company. Uh, you've been recognized as, as one of Canada's fastest growing companies. So maybe, can you just talk a little bit about some of the strategies that you've used that, that have contributed towards the growth and the success of the company? Yeah. And fast growth is relative. <laughs> and, and that's like- It's and like that, the overnight I, success that took 20 years to build. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like we've been around for some time. We've been around since 2013, so nine years. And so- Yes, we've grown really fast in a space that, frankly, we've been pushing forward, and that's exciting. Most of the growth, I will say, has happened in the last three years. So it takes time to get to that kind of fast growth, and it's happened specifically around COVID, which uh, was a huge accelerant for our business. Now, the lesson to learn from that is that when you have a thesis that you feel there is no way that this could not come true, which for me, the best way to discover a product is to taste it, to feel it, to touch it. That is the most logical thesis of life. And if you're going to sell something that's consumable, getting someone to consume it is probably the best way to convert them to a long-term you know, buyer. So that basic thesis to me is what I, I hung my hat on. And I believe that there was an opportunity in market to make that targeted and to make it measurable. And I just stuck to it. I didn't know what would accelerate my business, but I knew I would be there for it. And I think that that's important. So conviction, determination, patience, patience, (laughs) that's what brings growth. And so it's not the overnight, I could have never predicted a global pandemic. And frankly, if I could have the choice of having a global pandemic or not, I would not have a global pandemic. But I had the conviction that at some point, there would be a moment where everyone would turn around and say, why are we doing it this way? We should be doing it another way. And that's how the fast growth showed up for us, you know, seven years into the business. So based on what you just said, would you say the pandemic helped you get where you are or, or would that have happened anyway, but maybe just taken a, a little bit of a different path to get there? It definitely would have gotten there anyway for a few other reasons. So the pandemic made it impossible for brands to hand out samples at Costco on Sunday, right? Like it's just not sanitary anymore. So it forced everybody to reconsider the medium they were using. Having said that, things like the decline in effectiveness of advertisement or the fact that cookies are going away next year, the fact that privacy is a large concern for consumers is making brands realize that 
consumers will need incentives to connect with consumers. And so obviously, incentives can come in many ways. But I think we've overdone coupons, right? And so what's the next best incentive? Sampling. So sampling as a trend was going to happen anyways, but sampling direct to home and sampling across the new channels that samplers innovating on, it was accelerated by COVID. We talked about, I mean, the elephant in the room, right? I mean, you look at the pandemic and that was the biggest challenge. I mean, it was a challenge for our firm and Probably like you, we sat down as our business partners and said, okay, we don't know what this means. And we had an honest conversation with our staff saying, we don't know what this means. And, you know, I think we did a really good job of adapting. So it sounds like the similar to you, but one of the things that I love hearing from our entrepreneur guests, besides that, that's an obvious one that a lot of people have talked about. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you faced in growing your business and how did you overcome it? Yeah. I really resonate with what you're saying around like, you don't know what's coming. And at the beginning of the pandemic, like we all felt it, we all felt it at the same time, which was actually like a really interesting case study for the business world, because we could all have that conversation about like, how do you plan for a potential of minus 10% and a potential of plus 10%? Or like for us, it was like plan for minus 100% or plus 100%, which is like a very volatile thing. So I thought that was great. The challenge is that, I don't know about your business, but for Sampler, that has not regulated itself. Like we are still in a position where there's inflation, supply chain. We've been on a roller coaster of a market for the last two years, and it's still going on, right? So for me, the, the last two plus years, have been the most difficult because of the volatility of markets, uh, even like what's going on, unfortunately, in Ukraine, right? Companies closing their operations in, in Russia, for example, these have huge trickle down effects on companies. If you're going to cut your revenue from one market, if it's a big market, you're going to have to take that revenue cut from somewhere. So that could fall into advertisement. So I don't know, I feel like the last two years have have made us realize all of the interconnectivities of our business that we didn't know. And, And that's challenging. Like anytime there's a new piece of news, it's like, okay, let's think six steps ahead. How could that actually end up impacting a small company in Toronto, distributing samples, right? Like maybe if the cost of raw materials continues to be so high, maybe packaging gets impacted. So yeah, that's been the most challenging. You're right. It's that trickle down effect. And in our business, we don't have to deal with supply chain or anything like that. And it's it's funny until you chat with people like yourself, or we have another client in transport, you don't even realize the impact of all these things, and, and exactly like you said, that, that trickle-down effect that affects you know the bottom line of these companies. So that's really interesting to hear. Marie, we already talked a little about the uh, pandemic, but can you maybe just expand a little bit on uh, its impact on the industry and how it affected your approach to the business? So what's interesting about supply chain is, frankly, I think many of us like didn't really know what it meant before it was in the news, right? We really didn't think about it because at the end of the day, Products were on shelf and you don't need to think about how they got there. But what happened with the pandemic is that 
consumer consumption went up severely fast. Basically, in the past, the way we spent our money was going to the restaurant or going on a vacation, and we saved our money up for those types of things. All of a sudden, we're cooped up inside, and we want to spend our money. So we're consuming things that we would consume at home more than ever. And we're doing that across the world. So the world was not ready for a 200% increase of consumption into any category. Nonetheless, all the main categories all at once, right? And so I think we understand why it got clogged up. But I think what we don't understand is like how inefficient <laughs> the supply chain is in a sense that like how many players have to play in it. So starts with raw materials. Someone goes finds the cotton, and then ultimately takes the cotton, sells it to a person who literally puts the cotton in a box or I don't know, a bag, uh, where ultimately, they will sell it to a person who will then sell it to a person who will take the cotton to create the end product. That end product then needs to go to the retailer. But before going to the retailer, they typically go to a distributor, which is a person who ultimately sells it to the retailer. And then ultimately, now the retailer needs to work directly or indirectly with someone who will bring it to the consumer's home. There's a lot of trucks in between all of these different steps. And when you break it down that and you think about the concerns of uh, people and labor that need to effectively do these jobs, in a global pandemic, people don't want to go into these jobs or like, frankly, because of health reasons, can't. And so it just broke and it was going through like 200% increase. So what's interesting is that for someone like us, samples are pre-produced. So at the beginning of the pandemic, there was no impact. Then brands started running out of samples. And if you're going to be producing the full size or the sample, obviously you're going to produce the full size first because you could sell it. So we actually got the trickle down effect quite later. And what we found is that it actually has impacted every single manufacturer we work with differently. So it's like, you know, maybe L'Oreal is really, really good at production, but maybe Frito-Lay isn't, right? And I'm, I'm using those names uh, completely as examples. But everybody will be at a different place in ultimately like how supply chain is impacted them, which makes it really difficult <laughs> to plan where to kind of focus your time. So anyways, long uh, kind of 101 on supply chain, but I learned a lot of that. Like I knew some of it, but like I didn't know how quickly that could trickle down to us. I'm baiting myself here a little bit, but the whole idea of the supply chain, basically having everything available to you on demand exactly when you want it um, is something that, you know, and I don't think people maybe have realized this. It didn't used to exist. Certainly when I was growing up, like you ordered a car, you ordered a fridge, you ordered and you waited months for it to come in. Right. Yeah. And then over time, we've really gotten to this on demand. You know, I want to be able to walk into a store and I want to buy my fridge like right then and there. So, you know, again, I'm dating myself, but this is not something that's new. You know, it's definitely something that has evolved over time into this on demand. And we've really just gone back a little bit to where now you got to wait a little bit to have things come through the supply chain, like you said. 
I remember growing up going with my mom and my grandma to the Sears store to flip the catalog so that I could like order it and then yeah. it would come like a month later. But like yeah. we literally would not see the product. You'd just go th through the catalog. So I think that there's a lot of efficiencies that have had to be built to make that happen that, you know, break at scale for sure. Did you have uh, consumers distributing out in Montreal when you were growing up? That was a fun. Yes, exactly. Same. That model. one was a yeah. fun. Yeah, you go through the <laughs> same thing. You go through the catalog. You've. Uh, yeah. I was a star ahead of its time. Yeah, <laughs> you've had a really cool journey. It sounds from 2013 when you started the company, and and of course there were things that you couldn't plan for. You know, the pandemic, and and we've a lot of us have worked our way through it. What would you say is what's next for Sampler? Like, what is the future? Of the you know, what's your vision for you know the future of the company? Yeah. So we. At Sampler, every time we describe our company, it's always easier to kind of describe it as we help consumers get free samples because that's what we all want as people. It's like samples are great. But what we're really building is the centralized network for all of these transactions. And that has a ton of personalization power. So the average consumer, when they log on, will give us about 23 data points. Those data points will allow us to recommend products that match their lifestyle. And ultimately, then they receive the samples, they give us feedback. And the next time they log in, we actually can make an even better recommendation. And we think that this value exchange between consumers getting something they're really interested in and the brand getting the sample into someone's hands that's very targeted and, and highly likely to have a positive experience is great. So we're really focused right now on the scale of the network. We've just recently launched channel partners where basically we're helping retailers and publishers launch their own um, sampling program. So we're positioning ourselves as the platform that enables these different digital sampling channels for the industry. So most recently, uh, hot off the press is our partnership with Kroger. So Kroger leverages Sampler for a post-checkout sampling experience, all powered by our algorithms and our data and our uh, digital experience. And that gives us a ton of opportunity for attribution and ability for a manufacturer to in turn know that the sample they gave out to Al actually converted to a purchase, you know, eight days later. So we're really excited about the data power, the partnerships, the personalization abilities, and we're just focused on more channels, more brands, and more consumers. Well, who doesn't love samples? And I'm just sitting here as you're chatting, and I'm thinking about the journey of the company. I'm thinking, this is cool, I'm, and I'm excited to watch it grow. And I know I'll, I'll get to because you're active on LinkedIn, so I'll get to participate in that along the way. If someone like me, I was interested in getting samples of, you know, men's shave cream, like how do you, where do you start? Like, where do you start getting involved in things like this? Yeah, so you can go create a profile at sampler.io and the top right corner of the website, you see the big call out that says get samples. You'll create a profile and then ultimately if we have something that matches your profile, you'll get pinged. You'll get pinged via email, via text, and we'll tell you, hey, we have a sample that matches. What you're also going to see is that we're starting to be prominent across probably like a majority, especially in North America of 
sampling experiences you'll find online. So you might actually see an ad on Instagram and you'll click, like it'll say, get a free sample. If you click on it, it's very likely you'll connect with your sampler account. So think about us as like the shop pay of sampling or the PayPal of sampling. So having an account on sampler will allow you to claim samples more seamlessly across all the channels where samples are available. Very cool. Well, we're getting toward the end of our podcast, but we can't leave without Al's signature <laughs> question, because I think it's, it's such a great question. And I think it's something that we all need to think about as entrepreneurs and, and the footprint that we're leaving in the world. So Al, with that, I'll uh, let you take it away. All right. So Marie, there's a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any proverbial trees Well, Robin, when you were introducing me, I think you spoke to the fact that I've been very raw about my journey as an entrepreneur. 100%. (laughs) And I think that that's the tree that I want to plant. I'm a woman in technology who started a company 10 years ago without any technical background and in fact, zero business background. So I had to learn everything to go And it hasn't been easy. I've had to deal with severe burnout. I've had to deal with long distance relationship with my then boyfriend, now husband. I just had a baby at the same time as I was doing a fundraise. Like, you know, I I have a lot of stories about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And my mission, my tree is to make sure that by being open, raw, honest, I can actually help other people feel like their journey is normal, their journey is valuable, and that it is possible to do, right? Because I don't remember, there wasn't a female-founded unicorn tech startup when I started. There are now, in the last several years, there's been some that have come, and it's so exciting to see these massive companies that women have built, but I didn't have those examples. So I would love to leave an example behind as my tree. That is a great answer. And I'm going to assume from that, that you will be one of those people on LinkedIn that someone could contact and reach out to, and you would help (laughs) them the same way that that individual helped you at the very beginning. Would that be fair to say? I certainly try. And it's interesting. I think at one point, maybe like 20% of my company's team was someone who reached out that way that I just kind of like, maybe they were thinking of their next career move, or maybe they were starting their own business. And then we kept in touch. And a year later, I was like, hey, like, if you're still, if you want to come and build with us. So I gain from it, too. And I think that's what the proverb says, you don't do it to gain, you do it to help others. But it it does like, you know, karma works in a beautiful way. And, and if you do it with the right intentions, I think in the end, you can benefit. Oh, that is the perfect place to wrap this up on that sentiment. I just love this conversation. I am so happy that I badgered you because I know you're so busy and then you're having a baby. And I said, I'm not giving up because I just, I know there's a great story here. And I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed with this. So Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Again, I just love this conversation. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have any questions about yourself or what you're doing at Sampler? Well, I think we talked a lot about LinkedIn. So um, definitely LinkedIn is the best way still to get in touch for sure. Okay, perfect. Well, that does it for today's episode. 
I can't say it enough times. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call. We're joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends, and it all starts with one. Thank you.